TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't really feel like doing the intro tonight because I'm really fucking pissed off. So welcome to the Outsider's Edge. Now, this is the show. This oh. is how I'm fucking opening the goddamn oh. show. Oh, Fuck sorry. The intro, normally, normally I'm pretty you fucking pissed. Eh, we're quiet long enough. Um, I'm Rance, a.k.a. Ray Cash. I got Kyle. I got Carl. Let's get to the shits because I'm pretty fucking pissed off. How y'all doing? You're pissed off, too. So let's get to the shits. I'm not happy. Same. I got a question for you, Brother Rance. I got a question yes, sir. for you. Yes, sir. So, like, how are you a company mm-hmm. that has posted record revenue for, what, three years in a row? And has Longer just than that, posted, for sure. And has just posted, like, your highest profit mm-hmm. in, like, company history. Mm-hmm. And you just signed another billion dollar ott streaming deal mm-hmm. but you gotta make budget cuts yeah man you gotta you gotta keep those corporate vacations and third houses you gotta keep them gotta keep them paid for some kind of way you gotta, right? you gotta okay. pay you gotta pay nick Khan 12 and a half million dollars okay. and and he might and, be worth that shit for the record and before we even get into the who before we even get into the who i i am not one to ever advocate for anyone to lose their job because it's fucked up and like you know workers of the world unite fuck capitalism but like patrick is still employed Unless we don't know theory. for the record we don't know if patrick's still employed or not to be to be honest we don't know they may have they've like Lawrence Sullivan got released in on the hush dream might have been released but i feel yes your point is true there are a lot of people who are have there. done that some shitty things that are still, still there. there like you 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 kept Matt Riddle, but you got rid of Billy Kay. That makes well. I'm gonna shut up because you. I don't want to piss you off, but that makes no, all the sense. No, no, no. It makes sense from uh, Matt Riddle's a better wrestler standpoint. He's a better draw. It's a bigger make draw too. Sense from a Matt Riddle is a shitty person who doesn't deserve that job. Standpoint. Oh yeah. So, here, okay. so here's the here's the here's the thing about that, and I think it's the one thing that. I hate it. Like all this, I hate all this. The one thing that sucks about this in my head, uh, Riddle is a great example, I think, because we have to kind of understand that like a lot of people aren't on Twitter, right? Not everybody knows about Matt Riddle's issues or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so he's still getting cheered on television and stuff Mm -hmm. because 
they don't know. They just see, oh, this is Matt Riddle. He's a great wrestler. He's entertaining to me. And mm-hmm. so someone like him, if you don't know, you just don't know. And yeah. so someone in his scenario, I was liking it. Now, granted, he got booed at WrestleMania, but I always I like it. But WrestleMania is a smart crowd. We can never well, you know. we can never gauge anything by what happened at Mania because Mania is your smarkiest of smart crowds. Sure. There's not a dude. The only people at Mania who are not plugged into wrestling social media are the children. Right. But I liken that scenario to someone like Hulk Hogan. We know he's a terrible human being. But I mean, I know, I mean, yes, exactly. Blood. We know he's awful. But let's face facts. If you go to most cities and you bring him out, he's going to get a pop. Yeah. And so WWE is going to pay him however much they paid him to make Titus uncomfortable for three hours. And, you know, like that. So it's one of those things where it's like, from that perspective, you get it, right? But when you're plugged in like we are, it's like, really? Velveteen well, Dream is still there, maybe? I mean, well, let's, you know what I mean. Let's break this down structurally, because we 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 kind of started hot, and that's my fault. But for those of you who don't know, we record this show with Thursday nights, and today, for the second year in a row... On um, the exact same day. How fucking tone deaf. Yes. On the same day as last year, WWE made their annual budget cuts that weren't annual for years and now are annual again, apparently. Um, Black Thursday. They were posting record profits. As of now, uh, and mind you, it's still been going on recently because about an hour or so ago, Mojo got released. But um, as of now, the list is Samoa Joe, Billy Kay. Peyton Royce. Um, who else we got? Uh, Bo okay. Dallas, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Kalisto, Tucker, Wesley Blake, Mojo Raleigh. I think that's the whole list as of right now. And there's a whole myriad of feelings. I'm not happy. I, I'm clearly, you know, that I started the show that way. But I do want to kind of break down some of the whys and some of the, the hot takes we feel. First off, fuck WWE. Period. Pause. Next paragraph. I think it is abhorrent the way these people are released. And not so much the way these people are released, because releases are going to have to happen. My issue is that the people that they released, with all respect to people like Bo and Tucker, right? Respect to them, but they weren't doing anything anyway. No, but so I, I have to say about Tucker, I saw a take on him that I really think, you know, has some merit in terms of I would be salty if I were him. Okay. Uh, but we'll come back to that. So many people, so many of the people on these lists, the problem with why they got released and why so many people are up in arms is because WWE either put them in bad situations WWE either t- took or took them out or took them out of good situations or wouldn't allow them to be in the situations they had earned to be in. And so this isn't trimming the fat like they used to in past years. This is releasing people who were contributing or Bill could K contribute. wrestled on WrestleMania and Samoa Joe is one of the lead commentators. Yeah, go ahead. Well, so like, so that brings me to the take that I saw on Tucker, like, and why I would be mildly salty if I were Tucker. Like, 
not fully like obviously Tucker feels great about it because his exact tweet to the news of his release was freedom. But like you're in a tag team that has gotten over and your partner happens to be the super charismatic one that catches Vince's eye. So they give him the money in the bank briefcase and they decide to break up the tag team only to within a couple of months realize that Otis, oh no, he needs to be a tag team guy. Let's put him back in a tag team. Only we're going to put him in a tag team with Gable because he's more charismatic than you. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, if I'm Tucker, I'm just like, so wait a minute. I was in a tag team that worked and we got over and you were fine with that to the point that you gave my partner this briefcase and then put him back in a tag team with someone else, but had nothing for me to do. So I, I go ahead. No, 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 please. Uh, I was just going to, I was going to say like, I want to focus, like I personally, like, like you said, some people are going to get released non-contributors last year. You saw like the colognes, were released, I believe. No way, Jose like wasn't doing much really. Some guys like that, and we understand that this is part of it. People don't last in the WWE forever, and that's what it is. But the, the three to me, there's three that are like you look at these three and you're like, okay, this is strange. Samoa Joe is the first one, and I think that's part of that is because I don't think he's the most egregious personally because I think W it was a situation where W it sounds like. They weren't going to clear him to wrestle. He wanted to wrestle. Yeah. Let him go, right? The two it most egregious. Most egre- it's the most egregious, though, from the standpoint of, like, you're right. That's what happened, I think. And so, like, from that standpoint, all right, it's mutual. Do you? But it's egregious from the standpoint of, that man is too valuable an asset to sure. let him go. Yeah, like, like they let a very of the talented. he can do in terms of teaching promo and teaching ring work. And he's one of the best, he is one of the best performers of his generation, a yeah. generation that includes Cena and Batista and Lesnar. Cause he's from that same generation. Right. So yeah, that, that, so, so that is like, that's one, but I, I personally think the two most egregious ones are Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. And the, the main reason I think that is because one, they were a tag team that was successful in a tag team division where you didn't have very many established tag teams. And they worked together don't. very well. Yeah. And so they split them up. Fine. You split them up. So in your head, you're thinking, okay, you're splitting them up. They're going to do something with them. Right. And they don't really do any. They put Peyton Royce in a tag team again. And then Billy Kay, they do the resume thing. And to me, that's why I, like, when I tip it, I think Billy Kay is the most egregious one because she's the one that is like she has she her limited screen time was always used up perfectly. She made it work. She made it entertaining. I can sp- tell you, you guys have I've said it before. Sometimes my favorite parts of SmackDown, outside of maybe like yes, Roman Reigns, please. was Billy Kay showing up and running her mouth I'm about it. Like miss her on commentary. Here? I'm gonna yeah. miss her on commentary so like, much. What happened here? You know, where you like, and I'm not trying to crap on any of the other guys. There are a lot of people that aren't getting used right now that it's like, okay, you're not even using these guys. Why are they still here? And yet you're moving away from people that even if they're getting limited time, they're being used, you know? I mean, I. Well, what also gets me, you know, I watched Raw on Monday. I actually watched it. And. When it, with all these people not being used, what gets me, I'm watching Rom, like, this is a three-hour show, and you've just thrown so many, like, 
video packages and promo packages and replays of things and rehashes of things that you've done before. And I'm just like, you've got all these people that you're not using. You could use like, not even all of them, but you could use like three of these people in like a match and one extra segment that like has meaning and value and would make your three-hour show that is a chore to watch. Like, I watched it, and my DVR was fucked up, so I couldn't fast-forward through anything, and I was just like, man, like, this is a long-ass show. And it feels so much longer with all that filler, and I'm like, you've got all of these people on your roster. You do not need all this filler. Some filler is inevitable, but this much filler? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I think a big part of of the way the reason Monday's show was the way it was though is because traditionally they book the night after Monday night the Raw after WrestleMania a certain way, but they couldn't because right. there's no fans. So then they kind of wanted to reset in a way, but couldn't the way they wanted to, and that's that's on them to figure out a way to do it right. But I feel you, I feel where you're coming from. But like you brought up Billy Kay and Peyton Royce and. For a person that's just been on WrestleMania and then be cut, and in the middle of a storyline, is just ridiculous. But I think we should also throw everybody got a has a legit claim to be upset on that list. But I think another two are Mickey James and Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green specifically, I I really feel for because well, she almost got hurt. Well, yeah, but yeah, but even going further than that, she almost got Brody Lee as sticked around in the fact that she was in a hot storyline in NXT. And then got pulled off, got pulled from the storyline and got pulled off NXT because she was getting called up and didn't get called up or didn't do it, didn't get used for six months to a year. She gets called up, finally makes a big debut and breaks her wrist. Happens. And then she, of course, off TV for rehab. And once she gets cleared, again, it's another six months to a year she's not used and then she's cut. And it's it's just like... You people can't do anything if you don't allow them to, and if you're gonna take them out of such bad situations, and then not even let them get back in a good situation, like Mickey James, if you're not if you're gonna rehire her with the resume she has, and you're not gonna use her, I don't expect her to be world champion. I don't expect her to be in big and major storylines, but to not use her, especially, it's just it's egregious. Especially when you consider, especially when you consider. All the fucking injuries that the raw women's division specifically has dealt with over, over the past three, four months, yeah. Over the past several months, during which time Mickey was completely fucking healthy. And yeah. it's just like, okay, so Lacey gets pregnant. That's not that that's not there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, Lacey got pregnant. It happens. All right. She's out. Becky's pre- was pregnant and had a baby. All right, cool. It happens. She's also out. Charlotte had gotten hurt, so she was out. And um, uh, Kyrie Sane decided to go back to Japan. Like, Asuka got hurt. Asuka got her tooth kicked out of mouth. Well, and a big part of the reason Kyrie Sane decided to go back to Japan is the same type of shit that we're talking about here, where it's just like you're not using these people and they're healthy. It's one thing when you're not using someone because they're hurt mm-hmm. or because you actually have a plan. Like, all right, we're going to take you out for like five months but when we bring you back this is what you're gonna do this is how we're gonna push it like 
we need to take you away for a little while so that they forget about you and then we're going to bring you back and it's going to be great. But if it's just like, oh no, we have nothing for you to do. Oh, There's no, something like for you to do with Mickey James. Like she's a shocker to me too, because I, I, when I look at Mickey, I see her, she was on the raw roster. I see her as someone that would be, could be valuable in the, in the Natalia role where how Natalia is on SmackDown, where she's, Kind of like they put her in the ring a lot of times with younger people to kind of work them. And she's in a tag team and she's on TV, you know. Mickey's perfect for that. Like that she that's the perfect spot for someone like Mickey with all her talent teach and skills. Teach them how to teach them how to get used to the hard cam, teach them how to like, you know, where you're gonna pose, when you're gonna do it, like just those lip those little nuances that a Hall of Famer like Mickey James. Yeah knows like it's just it's mind-boggling to me the some of the people that they weren't using like how do you how do you have this level of a talent on hand and not utilize them at all and i want to i want to i want to there's an argument i've seen kind of circulating where it's like you guys can't get mad about releases when you guys are always saying well they have too much talent anyway and I kind of disagree because one, the people like this happens in every company. People get released all the time. Okay. It's not like WWE is the only company that does this, but like we talked about earlier, you're talking about five hours of WWE programming every week, not counting what, like main event, not counting 205 live, not, not NXT. counting NXT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you've got so much programming that and I'm not saying you can find room for everybody. Do I think WWE has a maybe an over like maybe they have too many people? Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't I think I don't most companies I think AEW's in the same spot. They've just got too many people. You can't find places for everybody. But at the same time, like it's just one of those deals where it's like you have so much programming that even if you're not using them in the ring, there's so many other things you can do. They have all these stupid ass shows and stuff that they do. It's like mm-hmm. there are places for these people on the well, roster. And, well, and over the last year, they've dictatorially, you know, hammered down and they took away the other revenue streams that the superstars had and took over them. Like, oh, oh, you guys aren't going to do cameos anymore, but we'll do cameos for you. Oh, yeah. y'all aren't going to do streams anymore, but we'll let you set up a stream through us. Uh, which is just to say, you've got all of these different ways that you're finding to make money off of your independent contractors, but you don't have anything for some many of them to do. So let me let me let me argue the other side because I fundamentally disagree with you, Carl. I am of the ilk that. And this that's specifically directed to a certain group of fans. That's not a a general general statement. That's directed to a certain group of people, because there is a certain group of people that takes joy in the misery of others. There's a certain group of people that takes joy in uh, takes a perverted joy in these people getting released because it's hot. WWE is getting fucked over again. You know what I'm saying? Right. So there is truth, I believe. To the fact, so many people complain and bitch about what my guy isn't being used. I'm not talking about people on TV. I'm talking about the lowest of the lowest of the low that would never be used anyway. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all due respect to the Ascension, 
but they're not even getting booked on the indies. Oh no, I'll give you I'll give you well no, he would be pushed on the indies, so it's not as good an example as the Ascension, but like I love Drew Gulak. I love Drew Gulak. But like I'm smart enough to know that there's no realistic world where a company like sure. WWE is gonna push push right. Drew Gulak. So so I, but so there are there are people that are so that are waiting for any single negative thing that comes in the news with the WWE headline on it to jump on it. And it's completely okay to want your favorite wrestlers or want wrestlers in general to be utilized regularly and correctly. That's fine. The issue then, the issue I believe comes in when you specifically go out of your way to wait for these moments to say, ha! Told you so. They yeah. pieces of shit. The gotcha moments, yeah. Exactly. It's just, and that's the problem I have with it. Because in the same breath, fundamentally think about it. In the same breath, I'm gonna complain that I'll even say in my tweets, you know what? Just release him so he can be used right, right, correctly. And he gets released. Oh, WWE sucks. They're horrible. You can't have it both ways. Sure. You can't have it both ways. Now, everybody has every right. And should be angry today. Everybody. Two things can be true at the same time. Everybody what? should be, hold on. Everybody should be angry and upset today. Simultaneously, there are people that are taking advantage of that anger just because it furthers their narrative. And I think right. that's the problem. And I think there's a difference between the like, oh, you're awful for releasing someone. And a reaction of, I mean, I feel like the the company dropped the ball with so and so. I think those are different criticisms because, mm-hmm. like, I was so Rusev at the time of his release. My opinions on Miro are very different from my opinions on Rusev. I want to clarify those that that up front before I go further. At the time that Rusev was released, my my thought was. Gosh, I feel like they dropped the ball with this dude. He was so fucking over, and they didn't do anything with how over he and um, Aiden Lana. English. Oh, Aiden, and yeah, Lana, sorry. Well, even Lana, like the that yeah. like trifecta had become how over the whole Rusev Day thing had become. They never did anything with that. Like they dropped the ball with that. Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing as saying, well. Oh, fuck you for releasing him. No, like, releasing him was a good thing for him. Because at least if you're going to be, if you're going to be a, a, like, aimless mid-carter with nothing to do, at least be an aimless mid-carter with nothing to do and happy. And he is now happy and an aimless mid-carter with nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it goes it goes both ways, and I, I I sometimes I feel like we can be so stupid as a group because we feel like it has to be this or that. It can be both. It can be both. You can be really fucking pissed off about what's happening because you want to see people succeed and you don't want to see people mistreated, and you can simultaneously be a dick who's using that to further a narrative that's bullshit. Works well, both ways. And, well, and in the case of in the case of like the iconics, uh, especially them specifically, I think with these releases, I always think to myself, I'm like, shit. I hope they get signed very quickly because I don't know 
what their citizenship status situation is. I don't know, genuinely. Well, Peyton's fine, because she's married. She's good. But isn't she married to Spears? Is Spears a U.S. citizen? I know he is Canadian. I think he has dual citizenship. Does he have dual? So, so I mean, I, I want, I want, I want to clarify. Like, I want. That's them a fair to be question. Here. Like, I want them to be here. I'm not asking that in a nasty way. Yeah. I'm saying like my immediate instinct when they were released is shit. I hope they get signed very, very quickly because yeah. I do not know if they have citizenship and if they don't have citizenship and their immigration status is tied mm-hmm. directly to their employment with the WWE, mm-hmm. then they need a new employer ASAP. Get a new work visa. Yeah. So, so that's, my, that's my, fair question. my, my concern always falls on the lines of, will these guys find new homes in general? And I know that sounds like, Oh, of course they will. They're wrestlers. Right. But like, I look at someone like Billy Kay. And Billy Kay to me is perfect for WWE, but I don't necessarily think she's perfect for any other place because she's not necessarily the greatest wrestler in the ring in, in the world. And a lot of these companies, that's their focus. Their focus isn't, oh, how great are you on the mic or how entertaining are you as a performer? You know, Billy Kay worked perfectly in WWE because she's a sports entertainer. She's not necessarily what you call a wrestler. And so I worry, like, AEW, where would she fit if she went there? I or if she went to other places? Who- I think the best move, if they want to do it, and I mean they might because they are legitimately best friends, I think their best move is to go to Impact because Impact Agreed. has a women's tag division. Agreed. Right. And so they could just both go to Impact and be a tag team for the women's tag division where it doesn't necessarily matter that realistically Billy's a okay wrestler and Peyton's an slightly above average wrestler. Right. And the and the Impact Women's Women's roster has the most character driven yeah. content in the women's division besides WWE esque shows. So I think that's the perfect spot for them. I agree with you completely on that, Kyle. Yeah. Um See, I just I just once again, like some guys are gonna find homes, you know. Some people like Samoa Joe, people are gonna be knocking down his fucking door because he's Samoa fucking Joe, you would think, right? Some yeah. people I just I, I always worry about some of these other guys like I don't know about Tucker. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't oh, like. Will, I don't want people to not be out of work forever because it's hard. I think you know, Tucker you see some will be of these fine. Guys leave. I think Tucker will be fine because he's a big guy, and he can go. Like big guys that can go generally find work. Right. Uh, so, like, I think he'll be okay. Um, of the people who got released, I legitimately think the person who's going to struggle the most to find work is Mojo. Of all of the people that got released, I think he will be the one that struggles the most. Let me tell you why I disagree. Go ahead. You're right. He probably will struggle to find work in wrestling, but I don't think he wants to. I don't think he'll wrestle ever again. Mojo strikes me as a guy who's WWE or bust. And not saying he doesn't love wrestling, but his real life situation, his real life situation, this is a man with a master's degree. And he's best friends with one of the most famous athletes in the world. Yeah. He'll be fine. Oh, <laughs> like no, he's I good for life. about him in that case. So, Right, so what I mean is, I don't think he'll struggle to find work because I don't think he'll look for it. And I will be 100% clear, I have no problem admitting this on the show, a lot of the, a lot of my issues with today are emotionally driven. Like, these are people that I've connected, some of these people, especially the Iconics, especially, as a group that, like, I've connected with, people in my household I've connected with, and it's like, well, fuck, you know? So, of course, like, 
I'm I'm not taking the logical standpoint to everything every single time. Sure. I, I would like to do that, you know. But in this situation, it's one of those days where it's a sad day for people that I told my kids today that Billy Kay is no longer on TV, and they were like, "What happened?" You know, because it's it's you know it's just one of those things. Like I said, Samoa Joe, and they're like, "I know him from the video game because they ain't seen him wrestle. He's been on commentary for the last however long, you know." But well, well, let's try to let's try to you know. Put a little positivity out there. We like to be a positive show. And let's think about what are the what are your thoughts on most logical landing spots for the aforementioned people? I mean, we already said the iconics feel probably like impact feels <laughs> the best for them. Yeah, I really right, think yeah. Chelsea Green should go to AEW. I think that probably she would fit. I think she fits. With that, I just, I really do. I feel like she fits, and I mean, Cody is already best friends with her. Are they married yet, or are they still engaged? Still engaged. Well, with her fiance. Um, so, like, yeah, I feel like that's just one of those matter of time situations there. Mm-hmm. Um, I. That's how I feel if, about Samoa Joe, honestly. No, nah, if he gets cleared, I think he goes to Japan. Um, that's the that's the move for him if he's completely healthy. But if he's not, hey. if I'm Sinclair, nope. If I'm Sinclair, I give him the I give him the Marty Scurll deal. You can book, and if you want to throw, throw a few matches in there, but you are the face, and you are the you you run this company. This is all yours. That's what I and would do. Joe Joe is a businessman. Joe gonna make the right business decision for Samoa <laughs> Joe. He don't give a fuck who it is. And who's gonna be he, mad at Joe? For saying you're not going over tonight. You're going to be mad at Joe? No. <laughs> Nobody wants that smoke. Nobody wants that smoke. But Joe would be real life Godzilla in Japan. So, like, that's a now move that is if a place he's that I would actually really like healthy. Are you kidding me? Like, Joe versus Okada. Joe versus Shingo. Like, Shingo. Directly in my game. In my veins. But I kind of don't want that because I, I want Joe to live a, a, a longer, prosperous life. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if I want that. <laughs> right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Go ahead. Keep uh, going. All right. So, like, who's next? Tucker. Um, ooh, I yeah, know. I'll tell you what I would do if I was Tucker. I'll tell you what I would do if I was Tucker. You've seen a lot of guy, a lot of the more prominent uh, releases that didn't go to another company immediately. They did the grand tour of all the indies and they raised their profile. If I'm Tucker, I'm doing the tour of the indies and I'm going to raise my profile because you're always going to be the WWE cast off that wasn't good enough for Otis's tag partner. But if you go out here and you work these indies and you show them you're a guy that can and remind people that throw, you can go because Tucker exactly. can go. His nickname is All Night Tucker Night because he has a motor. That's crazy for a guy his size, but I think I, I'd like to see him end up in a place like MLW, where he can really be utilized. All right. All right. Who else do we have? Kalisto going back to Mexico to CMLL uh, AAA, or do you think he goes to AEW? He's going to go to AEW, but well, you know, you what? know what? You know go what? To, go, to, go to New Japan. Kalisto versus Phoenix will be great. Or, yeah, go to New Japan because I'd honestly be there for... I'd be here for Kalisto versus Hiromu. Kalisto uh, versus Ishimori. And they got a history of luchadors there because Dragon Lee was the guy that... Dragon Dragon Lee, right? That's his and, name? Yeah, Dragon Lee. That broke uh, Hiromu's neck? Yeah, well, and, and don't get it twisted. Like, 
Kalisto as a character was booty, but like Kalisto can go. He can wrestle, but he's still booty. Like yeah, as a what character, about, okay, Kalisto booty. So I'm like Mickey James. You would think probably maybe back to Impact, possibly. No, can I? I have, I have the perfect NWA word. Join her husband. You yeah, took yeah. it out of my Mickey mouth. WA. Can you imagine the story of Mickey coming back to stay with her husband and the beef between her, her and Camille? Camille, Can you yeah. imagine what that could that's be? A, and that's an well, actual, like, legitimately, like, that could well, get and it people leads to talk to, about that, you know? And I mean, when it inevitably leads to Mickey taking the title and Mickey and Nick having the belts as, like, a power couple? I can get with I'm that. With I bet, I'm, I'm sure Nick it. is very excited about the potential of being able to bring his wife into the fold, you know? Which means, Carl, which means, Carl, that you're kind of right in terms of AEW because, like, they, they work with NWA. They kind of work together. I mean, Thunder Rosa has been doing shit with them for oh, a while. Oh, no. Thunder Rosa, I think, is full-time AEW now. Thunder Rosa is full-time <laughs> AEW, but Serena Deeb is the NWA Women's Champion. NWA Women's Champion. Okay, okay. Um, if I may take just a second. I want to I wanna figure out, I, wanna, I want us to bring up Wesley Blake, but I want to say this. If I'm Wesley Blake, Jackson Riker, Steve Cutler, you Fight motherfuckers got to see me. Fight. We're shooting the fair one, bro, because both of you dudes at separate times in my career ruined my life. And you know that man got that man got his third baby on the way. Y'all cost me my check. Yeah, y'all took me off TV twice. You got to see me because I'm in the car right now. You got to see me. And and somehow, and somehow, those two assholes still have jobs. No, Cutler don't. Oh, Cutler got cut. Oh, Cutler, Cutler got released. Yeah, Cutler Did got he? Okay, that's right. That's right. That's why. Okay. No, so like for those that don't know the sad story of Wesley Blake, Wesley Blake, first of all, Wesley Blake's first missed opportunity as a put at a push was when WWE made the foolish choice to not keep Blake and Murphy as a tag team. Um, because Blake and Murphy as a tag team was great shit. Um, but anyway, floundered around for years. They finally put him with the Forgotten Sons with Fuckhole uh, fuck Jackson Riker and Steve Cutler. And, you know, Jackson Riker's a MAGA douche, and mm-hmm. MAGA douche is going to MAGA douche. And so he said some fucked up and repugnant shit because he's a fucked up, repugnant person. And so they had to take the Forgotten Sons off TV as soon as they debuted. And so Cutler and Blake, to their credit, go to management and are like, Yo, what can we do? We are so sorry. Like, he does not speak for us. We don't know him. We only work with him because y'all asked us to. Like, what can we do? And so they finally give him something to do. They're going to be King Corbin's lackeys so that King Corbin can be even more dominant and blah, blah, blah. Uh, But then Steve Cutler going to fuck around and not worrying about the COVID. Cutler and Deanna Perrazzo, who is his Deanna Perrazzo is his girlfriend, and Steve and Deanna had a party um, at New Year's. And this is you guys might remember this because this is when the uh, reports that Vince was getting Vince was getting pissed off at people about catching Rona because so many people kept catching it, and a lot of them got it from Steve Cutler's party, and that's what got him released. So twice they finally got back on TV and. Yeah, and so, Wesley you know. Blake gets the worst of it because Riker is working with Elias, still has his job, and Cutler at the very least, 
he's with Deanna and she's the women's champion in Impact. So like she's doing fine. Like Blake is the one getting <laughs> most shit. That's yeah, that's rough, man. I don't know where he lands. You know, I mean, that's who knows. I'll, t- I'll tell you where he lands. Back in WWE, he'll be back very soon. That could be. I actually kind of feel the same way about Billy Kay. I uh, she's the one of any of them I could see coming back. As a matter of fact, she if reminds anybody, me of when Drake Maverick. I was got gonna released. say if anybody's gonna get the Drake Maverick treatment, where like the entirety of social media is just like. Yeah, so yep. SmackDown was fine and all, but needs more Billy Kay. Yeah, the well, okay, power so, of the internet. Two things. One, just got a just got a news a news alert. Mauro Ronaldo is going to provide commentary for Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega at Impact Rebellion. Wow, I want to watch it less. Oh, now. so it's going to scream. But boys were tripping when they said Mar. I saw I saw a tweet that said Mar was throwing chairs in his house because he couldn't say "Wake me up before you and Go Go." <laughs> I was dying. The wrestler Anthony Go Go. Um, the second thing, real quick, is you guys talk about Billy Kay. I want to read Billy Kay just about an hour ago posted a note, and I want to read it to you guys. Oh gosh, it's probably gonna make me cry, so I'm gonna mute myself. Thank you, WWE. Vince McMahon and Triple H for the past six years. They have fulfilled my dreams entirely from being a 10 year old girl that fell in love with WWE from the moment I saw The Rock on TV. And now I'm walking away with so many incredible moments from Super Showdown in front of my friends and family to winning the tag team championships at WrestleMania. Thank you to every single person in both locker rooms and everyone that I had the pleasure of working with behind the scenes, too. I love you all and will never forget your support and all the crazy stories we have together. I will miss you all so much. Thank you to all the fans for inviting me into your lives. I hope I made you smile and laugh. That's all I ever wanted to do. I'll never forget all the kind words and memories we've had together over the years. Thank you to my family for always supporting this crazy dream and sacrificing so much for me to achieve it. I honestly wouldn't have gotten to where I am without you all. You have my entire heart. And thank you to my life partner, Cassie. That's Peyton Royce's real name. Peyton, yeah. Our journey started together, and it's only fitting that it ends together. I love you. I'm beyond proud of you, and I'm with you forever. Lastly, thank you to everyone that reached out to me today. Knowing that I affected people's lives in a positive way means the absolute world to me, BK. That sounds like a woman who doesn't plan on wrestling for a while. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah. Well, she could probably do more than that. Out, I mean, if we're being Bill honest. Hey, is fucking awesome. She can do anything she wants. And I bet you she's got plenty of options back home if she wants to go back home. My God, yes. Yes, maybe. Plenty of options. Maybe not in the wrestling world, but she's definitely can be some, the face of somebody's company on TV. Absolutely. Um, She's just so endearing. How do you not love Billy? She is. Um, The only other person I don't think we've talked about is uh, Bo Dallas, and I think Bo Dallas is probably done with wrestling. The Rotundas have a very strong relationship in history with the WWE, so I don't see him working for some indies. Maybe unless he just wants to just work a show in Florida. But, you know, my man's kind of transitioned to farm life now. So, uh, I mean, he might. Re- I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I won't rule it out entirely that he wrestles again because yeah. one thing people forget 
Bo is like our age. Bo's like 32. Very young, yes. Something like that. Like, Bo is real fucking young. So, like, he could very easily, you know, pull like a Brock Lesnar or some shit and just be like, no, and I'm going to do this farm shit for my early 30s. And then, like, when I'm, like, 38 or 39, I'll, like, go join my brother on some crazy shit. Maybe and he's he, still got he still got that sweet sweet Liv Morgan money coming in, so you know. Well, this is a good point. So he they they good because they got a check coming in. Long story short, let's put a bow on this situation. I want to say, and let's we can go around the horn. I just want to say to the people released, we we're here for you, we support you. Once these pro wrestling tea stores start opening up, you're these guys are gonna get fucking loaded. Um, but I hate the situation implicitly and, and completely um i am very much a wwe diehard fan and today i am a i am disappointed to be a fan of the company um i get things have to happen i get cuts have to happen i get some of these people probably needed to be cut but this feels this feels crass and this feels malicious because last year I get it was more people last year and it was more of a shock, but last year had a level of understanding because nobody knew what the next 12 to 24 months would look like Yeah, at the time it happened. Right now, we know what the future looks like. We're, we're in a post-vaccinated world where, what is it, like 70 million people now in America have been vaccinated? We know what the outlook is going to look like. We're on the right path. Now. We're on the right path. We just had 50,000 fans in two nights at WrestleMania. So for y'all to do this, and I'm, I'm going to give it to y'all just one more thing. Stephanie McMahon failed her job today, and I feel it's important for me to say that because I said that about, about Brandy. I said that about so many other chief marketing and chief brand officers because it's her job to be in charge of these releases in public relations. WrestleMania week was eight, nine days long and was one of the best weeks we've had in wrestling in a long time. And literally the day after it's over, you cut 10 people? That's horrible. Well, and, That's horrible management. Not only do you cut 10 people, but according to the reports, you make Johnny Ace do it when you literally just brought him back into the job. Good point. So, like, you just brought him back to his old position, and then you're just like, all right, I need you to just, like, let these 10 people. <laughs> Welcome back. Call these dudes and fire them. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it reeks of everything that if you are like the not, if you are against Fuck the man it reeks of it bro like, capitalism it reeks and uh, it's just it's there's really not much else we can say we pretty much covered it all in the last 45 minutes you know but i just think that all i hope for as a as a last word here to kind of put a positive spin is that they all find their place their way and that it works out and we'll see him again on our TVs or somewhere sometime down the road. Yeah, I I will just say that I look forward to watching them in Impact or Ring of Honor or AEW because, you know, I don't watch watch Impact, but like I keep up with what's going on. And if I see people that I care about are doing cool shit, I'll tune in and watch them do cool shit. So YouTube like, is our friend. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, YouTube is our friend, and you and I talk about it all the time, Rance. We put our money where our mouth is. If a show, if a card looks good enough, we'll buy it. Or if the cause is good enough, we'll buy it. We will. And as much as it makes it pains me to say, we've even bought it. 
Yeah. We bought a anniversary one. Yeah. Listen. We bought a anniversary. I, I will. I if I if I hear that Billy Kay is going to be on TV somewhere, I will purchase that before I will purchase a Kenny Omega match. Wow. Just let me know right now. The same card, Carl. What if they're on wow. the same? Uh, card? Well, you know what? Then Kenny Omega, it's a good day for you, buddy. <laughs> All right. So. Thank you for thank you for making the moment a little better. We're gonna take a quick break, take a commercial. We're gonna come back and try to make some sense of all of this. While we're gone, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash the chair shot, buy some shirts. Maybe that real cool hashtag journalism shirt that uh some random dudes on this random podcast came up with. We'll be right back. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. So, um, that was a rough... Listen to that ad. Carney journalism has to be supported somehow, y'all. That was a rough first half of the show, but we're past it. We've we've moved we've moved past it. We've we've handled it, and now it's time to talk some other things that we kind of wanted to bring to the table. I think, in the in the vein of talking about Carl's favorite promotion, AEW, I think this is the part where we need to announce because buried in the tragedy of today, AEW posted a one point two million rating. Yeah, they million. fucking did. That's huge. That's fantastic, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to give good news and then shit on it, because. But I, I am. I am concerned. Can they keep it up? But nonetheless, fuck next week. Live in the moment. Right now, if you are an AEW fan or an AEW employee, you should be very proud. And I think it makes perfect sense. Like I think that they can get at least a million regularly at this point, because if you look at the audiences combined for Impact and NXT on a consistent and regular basis. It usually added up to between 1.4 and 1.6 million people. Mm-hmm. You could conservatively assume that, you know, a few hundred thousand of that 1.4 to 6 million people were crossover viewers like myself who would watch both shows. Um, And so if you take those crossover viewers out, I'd still say you have a core audience of 
slightly over a million people who are conditioned to watch wrestling on Wednesday night who will tune in to your product as long as you don't turn them off. Mm-hmm. Like, Agreed. I think that's their next big challenge is like, okay, so you've, if you want to call it a ratings war, I don't call it that because like, that's silly. Um, but if you want to call it that and you want to say they won the ratings war, okay, fine, whatever. All right. So now your next challenge is, can you avoid alienating this new fan base? Because I've seen positive feedback and negative feedback online from first time dynamite viewers from last week's show. I saw people saying things like, um, tonight's the first night that I really gave it a full shot and whatever this is, it's not for me. And I saw people saying things like, this is the first time I've really seen it. This is pretty cool. I'll tune in next week. So I think that um, for AEW, the next, and this is kind of, it's essentially the same thing. I think that you kind of said, I think the next big challenge for them, to me, is bringing in more casual fans. Mm-hmm. You so because you know you've got your you know now what you have you had you already had your six to eight hundred thousand per week group anyway NXT goes to Tuesdays and you've gained some from that because like you said crossovers now you can watch both shows on different nights so you well, gained the fact that you have an audience in NXT's old audience you have an audience of people that are now conditioned. Oh, there's wrestling on on Wednesday night. I'm with, sure. There's wrestling yeah. on on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. I know at 8 o'clock on Wednesday, I can watch a wrestling show. Right. And, and they tune to USA. It's not there. Well, let me, wait a minute. Let me flip. Let me flip. See, I told you there was wrestling on on Wednesday night. So the, I think now their big challenge is how do they draw more? Because if you think about it, they have always said who they are and what they want to be. This is what we want to be. We want to be this. And when you box yourself in like that, you're saying, okay, well, this is who we are, and you just kind of have to accept it. Well, if you want to draw a bigger rating, if you want to draw more people into the product, more casual fans, someone like me, I don't watch. If you want to bring, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're appeal to Carl, I don't give a shit, but you know what I mean. Like, if they, if they want to bring more casual fans in, they're going to, ha- like, how do they approach that now? Do they change the way they go about their show right now? Do they do different things? Do they try and make it? Are they going to lean more into that sports entertainment side? Or are they going to stay more? We're wrestling. This is what we are. Blah, 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 blah. I think that's their next big challenge is how do you get, bring more people in? Not so much people who already know about AEW. How do you bring in people who don't know? Expand the brand. Yeah. I think their biggest weakness right now is that you almost have to keep up with everything in order to understand what's going on. They mm-hmm. don't do a very good, like WWE's problem is they, they do too much replay. There's too many replays and video packages and like mm-hmm. stuff that rehashing things that we just saw, blah, blah, blah. They, it's, the whole, it's the whole insulting our intelligence argument to a degree. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we already like, know. We saw it. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. They, they go too far with it. AEW's issue is that they don't do enough 
actual recapping. They just take for granted that you are keeping up with all of the ancillary products. And the problem with that is... Well, the, it's not, but the problem with that becomes if you are, I would consider myself a casual AEW fan. Sure. I watch Dynamite. I occasionally catch a dark if, like, I have nothing to do and I need something to, like, turn on for a couple hours. But, like, I'm not, I don't watch BTE because I hate the fucking Young Bucks. I don't, um, I haven't watched their new show. And so, like, it's not that I don't know what's happening on Dynamite. I, I have a general idea from week to week what's going on. But all of the extra detail and nuance and character building that BTE especially is responsible for, I don't get. And so it's just like, sometimes it just feels like out of nowhere, somebody new is being pushed or somebody new has, like, shown up. And it's just like, why is this person a big deal now? Where the fuck did this come from? Well, speaking of pushing new people, I have two AEW topics I want to talk about um, that been pretty big over the past week or so. The first one is very recent. Um, to give some backstory, Cody Rose and his Nightmare family were fractured. QT Marshall yep. sp- broke up, broke off from the Nightmare family and took his three and top students. gave a really great promo. Um, right shitting on Cody, talking about like, more like, do everything for me. Right. Uh, so he fractured off of the Nightmare family and took his three top students and started his own group. One of those three people is a an Olympic boxer from England. Anthony Agogo. Medal winning Olympic yes. boxer, y'all. Not just like, I, I mean, I did it. just yeah. made it is way, is fucking impressive. I don't want to like, try to I, I want to try to be careful how I word this. Like, making an Olympic team makes you, like, pretty fucking impressive. Winning a fucking medal mm-hmm. makes you the elite of the elite at what you do in your weight class. Yeah. And actually, full disclosure, he's actually the first developmental signee um, of the first guy that they signed that they trained to wrestle. He had his debut... Um, on Dynamite this week and won the match in relatively quick fashion. With a gut punch, right? He yeah, won the I match. Know. He won the match with a blow to the body, which is being touted as a liver punch. Now I love that by the way. I saw adds, that and I was like Get okay. up right down. Well, go ahead. Shit. I can't even no, ask that. No, Rance, oh, we no, want you to go. Well, you 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 started talking about it. Go ahead. No, I don't. That's all I saw. I don't know anything about it. Clearly, that's what I was going to ask about the point. But go ahead. Go I, ahead. I mean, I was going to get into the controversy. I was trying to, but I mean, y'all jumped into the topic before I could even bring the damn topic. Well, up. I didn't know there was controversy. I just thought, oh, I like that. That was cool. There was a lot of controversy about about the punch. The selling of the punch is the punch a legitimate finish. Things of that nature. And I, what I was going to ask, what did y'all think about the punch? And where do you fall on it being a legitimate finish? Okay, first of all, I, I'm going to give you one finish that negates any is this a legitimate finish argument for all time. The Cobra was a finish <laughs> on television. All right? I don't want to hear shit about is anything a legitimate finish. Literally any move can be a finishing move. 
This is true. So, like, yes, it is a legitimate finish, is the answer to the question. But, like, I saw, like, the, the heart of the commentary really gets down to this. Like, if you've ever been in an actual fight before and been punched in the stomach, like, you know a well-placed gut punch can put you down quick, yeah. fast, and in a fucking hurry. If they catch you at the right angle when you're not expecting it at the right velocity, that is it. I think it gives I think it gives legitimacy to something that they've been wanting to do and have talked about in the beginning, which is being a more sport-based kind of company. More fighting, like you know what I mean? Like they wanted to be more like fighting and actual like wrestling and sport based and all this stuff. And I think a gut punch is a perfect example. Uh, for someone for someone like me who one of his favorite wrestlers in the world is Walter you're winning me over with a gut punch period like if you make it look good I thought the sell the sell job was really good too because it was like oh shit I've been punching the gut time to fall over now I, I'm fact, done my only criticism of the entire spot realistically is the ref rung the bell too quickly I think the if like and I'm not even talking like he needed to wait ten more seconds. I'm talking like wait another like couple of clicks, you know, talk to him first, do something, mm-hmm. and then call for the bell. No, he can't continue. This is done, blah, 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 blah. Like it, it was just like a half second too quick. The other thing I would say, and this wasn't a problem for me. I thought the angle was great and I buy the finish completely. But, like, if there's a problem with it, it's just that the camera angle gave away, gives away too much of how much he's pulling back. But he has to pull back. He's an Olympian. He's going to really hit him. Um, So I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to disagree with you guys. I feel the exact opposite. Um, For the record, your your statement about legitimate uh, finishers is absolutely true. Anything could be a legitimate finisher. I don't have a problem with his finish being a gut punch. My issue, one of it was the sell. I think that was botched. But the biggest issue to me is we really take for granted our suspension of disbelief. Because so often people, a lot of the rhetoric about this was like, well, you believe in a guy who's undead and came back from from the dead. Well, yes, but our suspension of disbelief is is so much that they have made, they have explained to us what's happening, that this is canon and the scope of this world, right? So suspension of disbelief is something major. In the scope of AEW, the first match in the car was the Young Bucks versus Phoenix and Pac. And to see that match and all the flips and 15,000 super kicks and I shoot you from the top of the ceiling all the way down to the ground. And the Young Bucks, and the young bucks having the caucasity to wrestle a Dior once. The Young Trumps. Sure. But to the point <laughs> of the match, what I'm, the, what I'm trying to make, for all the, of the flips and the things that they, they did in that match and they do all the time, and for there to be a million different things that could end any match kicked out of it one and things of that. And then to see later on, no matter how many credentials this guy has, one punch and I'm going to look at the guy and he's done, the suspicion of disbelief doesn't match. And that's the problem with it. That's my problem with it. If you, it, it, It'll get better, I'm sure, because there was once upon a time when the full Nelson was a dumbass 
thing. And then Chris Masters took months and months to make it to a legitimate finish. And now Lashley won the world championship with it. So well, it's going to take time. Go ahead. I have a follow-up question then. I have a follow-up question then based on what you were just saying. Is some of the problem then more so card placement and like the way that they organize? Like if you're going to introduce this new wrestler with this unconventional finish that we need to like kind of train the crowd to accept in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we don't need to lead with our like high spot tag team match. Maybe we should lead with something a little, not necessarily lower energy, but like maybe we lead with a hangman match where like, it's got to be more of a brawl and it'll end with a buckshot lariat. And like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, this is more of a fight, and you're going to see it end with a fight-style finish so that when we now bring out our new guy who's going to end his match fight-style very quick, mm-hmm. at least you just watched a brawl, so, like, you're already in that brawl mindset. You know that's what I'm a, that, saying? Like, maybe it's card placement. That's a great question. And I've card placement is a problem that AEW's had over, over their tenure. And I think there's there's truth to that. But also, my retort is 95% of the roster wrestles that way. So it's not like it's just those guys happen to wrestle that type of match. The majority of the rest of the, of the roster wrestles that high spot, check out of 50,000 things, and if it's the over. rumors are to be believed, the old guys are trying to tell them to not all be the exact same, and they're just not listening. Well, let me, let me ask you yeah. this. I, I don't know anything about... This particular guy, this was his debut match, is what I'm is what I'm yes, gaining yes. from. Are we for sure that this is this guy's finish? Like maybe he's an Olympian and I they're gonna use yes. him to do many different ways to beat people because he's a fucking Olympian, you know what I mean? Like, and would that bother you more if like is if the gut punch wasn't his finish and it was this guy can beat you in a plethora of different ways, would that be more appealing to you in terms of suspension of disbelief, considering his skill set? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And again, it's another great question. I don't think it's his finish in terms of every match is going to finish with the gut punch. I don't think it's that. But it was the finish to the match. And if I remember correctly, the match didn't even last but 30 seconds. It was, hey, ding, 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 punch in the gut. It's over. Right. So the suspension of disbelief for me is hurt because I can believe anything you want me to believe. If you tell me, I should believe it. But it's really hard for me to believe the reason why, and I'm not sticking up for WWE in any sense. I'm just I'm using them because that's the best analogy I have. The reason why on the same cards you could have the Undertaker coming back from the dead, and then later on in the in the show, you got Too Cool dancing with the big Samoan dude in the thong, and then later on in the show you have Chris Benoit shoot in a shoot match with Kurt Angle. The reason that that all made sense and it worked was because every single part of that card was told to us and explained to us, this is what's canon for this person. This is what's canon for this company. And in AEW, literally nothing... Look at... Just look at the... the, the, what was the, the the match with the fireworks that didn't go off? The death match. Oh, the Omega and Moxley, yeah. They almost killed each other in kayfabe, right? The next night, both of them wrestled. So, like, so do you think... Yeah, go ahead. I'm, 
I'm sorry. I was just going to say, do you no, think it no. would be beneficial in this scenario? We talk all the time about how the one thing that AEW kind of struggles with a little bit is maybe like uh, we talked about it being recap, but maybe in general, put some vignettes together. You know, we're showing this guy like he beats people down. He gets people that gut punch is deadly. Like he's you show him in like a dumb ass, like Mr. Perfect. Right. It was throw the football to yourself or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like for this guy, maybe it's like we saw him in some street fights or something and he's taking people out with a gut punch. And then you believe it to be, oh, well, this is what this guy does. This is his specialty, per se. And that's why he's so good at it. Does that would that make it bridge that gap more for you and like with how that would work or. And I'll jump in. I know you want to say something else, uh, Kyle. But I'll, my answer to this is that. My answer to that is this. And this is less about Anthony Agogo as, as a wrestler. And it's more about the entire structure of their show. And the structure of their company, to me. Because the structure of their company is such that there is not a baseline understanding of what's, of what's believable to me. There's not a base, And even... We're not even getting into depth, just baseline believability. The things that would end a normal match don't end matches in AEW. The things that would finish a match, any other company, and I'm not talking about a WrestleMania or all out like a big pay-per-view, on a Wednesday, don't okay. finish matches. And then you got a guy who's never wrestled before, who granted is a, is a fantastic striker and a world-class boxer, but he has one punch, his dude in the gut, and like Kyle said, didn't even take the time. The ref didn't even take the time to see was he okay. Instantly he saw the punch like, oh, no, that's the end of the match. The suspension of disbelief was not built up enough for me personally to say that made sense to me. And that's everything involved. That's the structure of the show. That's the card placement. That's the matches before it being flippy do spot fest. That's the punch in general. That's the sell. That's the ref. That's everything involved. All of it works together for me to believe something, right? So, and it's just, it's not just me, but I know I'm on the lesser end of this. And I'm not against Anthony Ogogo, and I'm not against strikes, finishing matches, because again, I love Walter just like you do. But I thought it was an interesting dichotomy, an interesting, interesting things to see, because it really got the internet ablaze today. How do you think that pertains to like the way AEW caters to its hardcore fan base? Because like I, the way I hear you talk about that, what I think in my head is okay. Well, the, first of all, the guys who book AEW are also the guys who wrestle in AEW, and so one thing about what, what comes with that is it's like okay, you should just like I feel like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, guys. It's perfectly fine that they want you to accept things as they are. Just because you should already know, like someone like, uh, you know, Kenny Omega, right? Like his finisher, nobody ever kicks out, right? And if mm -hmm. you've never, if you've, even if you've never watched Kenny Omega, like, let's say like, I've never watched Kenny Omega, right? Let's just say I haven't. Great point. And I Great see point. that. I, I see that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they're like, well, you just know, because this is the way, like, he's Kenny Omega. Like, yes. you know, he always wins with this. Like, is there maybe some credence to the idea of, the way they book their guys where it's like we're booking for hardcores, you know, we're not booking for casuals. And so when a casual walks in and they watch it, they're like, well, why did he win with that? What was so special about that gut punch? I just saw this other match before where the guys were doing 8,000 flips and it took forever to win or all these different, you know what I mean? 
So I wonder if maybe that plays a role into how they're presenting their guys and what we should and shouldn't believe. Well, that was Kyle's earlier point. Was I hope that not. I hope I didn't take it from him. No, no, no. You're just you're just make you continue to make it. Is that there is no explanation. And you you brought up something that I never thought about that is a legitimate thing. When AW started, the people who the main people who were there, we just were expected to know who they were and what they did. They right. never explained to the crowd what Kenny, who Kenny Omega is and why he's popular. They never explained to the crowd who the Young Bucks are and why they're popular. They never did any of that. It's just, up. Oh, well, if you know, you know. And if you don't, figure it out. So you got a guy like a go-go who, if we're honest, a go-go isn't a guy that you would think will be in their company. He does, he, I have no idea who that was. Me personally. No no clue. But I'm just saying, do you do, everything about AEW, does a real-life Olympian seem like a guy that would want to sign for AEW? <laughs> no. So, I don't think of any Olympian that any Olympian that wants to be in a carny business. And if and if I do think of that, I think they're going to show me why who they are ahead of time. What makes them special? You know what I mean? They're too busy, but they're too busy sucking their own dicks. And like in the case of in the case of the not so young bucks, like setting up new Twitter accounts just so that they can be trolls. That is another thing. Did you want to talk about the interview real quick? Business. You want to talk about the interview real quick? Because the other thing I want to hit is the faction thing. So you want to bring up the interview? So they did this interview. With, who was the interview with? Because I would like to give credit where it's due. Who was the interview with? I'll find that out while you talk. So they did an interview recently, and they were asked about, you know, first of all, they were asked about people's objection to all of the factions. And they brought up how factions have worked for New Japan for years, which is valid, and that's very much true. And how factions make it easier for them to get more people on TV and for them to create matchups. Because if you've got a bunch of people in factions, then all you need to know is Carl is in one faction and Rance is in another faction. And the factions have beef, so boom, we've got a matchup. Um, And if you're on your own, well then that just makes it a lot harder for us to like come up with stuff for you. And I thought to myself... Ooh, it's probably not a good look if you're the EVPs and you're admitting that you don't know quite how to book people who aren't part of a unit. That's not something I would say out loud. Um, But I digress. I digress. The other thing that they said in the interview that really pissed me off was in regards to just like, it was in regards to like the fans and how fans are fickle and they're the worst, which they are. Like, that's true. Absolutely. Fans are fickle and fans are the worst. We say it on our show all the fucking time. But I'm just like, y'all are the biggest fucking trolls out there. But as soon as anybody launches any kind of criticism of y'all at all, y'all shut the shit down and freak the fuck out and overreact and go out of your way to respond to it and vanity surge. And I'm just like, y'all are millionaires. Like, why? Why are you wasting your fucking time? Y'all are millionaires. You own a televised company. Yeah, they're the young Trumps, the thin-skinned white millionaires. Yeah. For the record, the interview was with uh, Scott Fishman from the uh, TV Insider. All right, boom. There we go. 
So I'd like to I, I just want to read some information to you guys real quick because yeah. uh, the the faction talk. I don't think people understand how many fucking factions they have. I'm going to I'm going to list <laughs> it's a factions. lot. We have Team Taz led by Taz of course who's the leader, Brian Cage, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks and, and the of real course, star, the real star of yes, Team Taz. Hook. Damn right. Then we have the inner circle. Oh, my damn. Hold on, y'all. The fucking website crashed. Well, then the we have. Is Sammy Guevara, Proud and Powerful, Jake Hager, and Chris Jericho. No, no, that I was. Yeah. Okay. Um, then we have the pinnacle. And that, that is one. Right. And of course, that's MJF, Wardlow, Super Mega Hills, Sean Spears, FTR, <laughs> Pop, and Tully Blanchard. You have the Dark Order. Rest in peace to Brody Lee. Of course, their leader now is minus one, uh, Brody Lee Jr. But of course, they have Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, Allen Five Angels, Cole Cabana. Oh. Anna J is hurt right now. And, and kind uh, of Tay Conti. Kind yeah. of. Because she's like been loosely affiliating with them since her and Anna J are besties. And Preston Vance, yes. Then we have the Nightmare family. That's Cody with Dustin and Brandy. Arn Anderson, who's their head coach. Lee Johnson and the gun club, Billy and his two sons, Austin and Colton. Now we have QT Marshall's new faction with QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, Nick Comoroto, and the guy we just spoke about, Anthony Gogo. Now we have the super elite. That's Kenny He's Omega nice. with Don Callis, Doc, uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, and apparently, oh, and the Young Bucks now, yep, of yep, course. Yep, yep, yep. And this has Nakazawa listed because it's Kenny's best friend, maybe. I don't know. Then we have the Hardy family office. Yep. With Matt Hardy and Private Party, Isaiah Cassia, Mark Quinn, and Butcher Blade and the Bunny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we have smaller factions, which are trios and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Best friends. You have Trent, Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy, Sue, of course, because she's on the show. And, and now Statlander. Because yep. they just added her two weeks ago out of the fucking blue. Like, literally out of the blue. She came mm-hmm. out with them to do a promo to the Pixies song because Tony Khan put out the money for Orange Cassidy to have Where's My Mind, apparently, mm-hmm. as his theme. Um, which is a great song, but, like, super fucking random. Then we have a new, a new group called The Pretty Picture. Oh, and that's done. No, oh, not even close. Not, that's, Peter, that's Peter Avalon, Cesar Bernoni, um, Dolph Ziggler's little brother, Nick Nemeth, and now J.D. Drake. <laughs> No, Nick Nemeth is Dolph Ziggler, his little Ryan. brother. I am. Yes. Then we have the Death Triangle. Zinzi and that's Pac. and the Lucha Bros. Yeah. And we have the Jurassic Express. Yep. And that's Luchasaurus, that's Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and that's <laughs> um, Marco, Marco Stunt. And now I'm finished. So... 
you've heard us mention all those factions. I understand there were companies with a history of a lot of factions, but you don't think that's one too many, dog? Well, so here's why it's too. Here's what makes it too many. The trios are treated as factions within New Japan. What makes the faction system work is at any given time, there's only ever like at max five total factions Mm -hmm. within which everyone is affiliated with something. So, like, if you want to make a faction-based company, I mean, all right, you can do that, but you've got to trim the fat in the sense of, like, so right now, of the actual faction factions that they have, really, they should have the Super Elite, the Hardy Family People, Dark Order, and... Um, I don't even think the Hardy Family should be one. I think because you, you're forgetting Inner Circle and Pinnacle. Oh, I am forgetting Inner Circle. So it should be Pinnacle, Dark Order, Inner Circle, uh, Super Elite, yep. and... Well, so that's four. Well, no, I because I said at most five. So then you make the Hardys would be five. But nothing no, about Taz. them... Oh, you're right. Team Taz is five. And that's my problem with the, with the Hardy family. And that's my problem with most of their factions. They don't make sense. Why are the Hardy... Why is... Just literally, the Hardy family group came together... The Wednesday after the whatever pay-per-view was, Revolution. Because if you remember, going back to Revolution, Eddie Kingston was with the Butcher, the Blade, the Bunny, and Lucha uh, and the Lucha Brothers. Lucha Brothers left to do their own thing because Pac came back, Depth Triangle. Oh, no, oh. wait. Here's the story. No, here's the storyline for the Hardys. This is the storyline for the Hardy thing, I, is, if I'm remembering correctly. So you remember at Revolution, Matt Hardy's match with Hangman was for his earnings from the previous quarter. And Hangman wins the match and all of Matt Hardy's money. So I believe, I could be wrong, but I think the storyline was Matt's got to make this money back so he signed more clients. Mm -hmm. And so he's got more talent now so that he can get more matches so that he can make back that big money match. That's the storyline they want us to go with for that being a staple. So, okay. I am very much like, I love factions. I'm team faction. However, your whole show can't be fucking factions. And like, I just don't think that works on a, on a general level. Like, you need enough singles superstars. And maybe they have them. But uh, at the same they- time, like, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the only single superstars that are not affiliated with any faction at all, the only singles guys they have that are currently not in any way, shape, or form affiliated with the faction are um, Darby Allen, Christian Cage, um, Ethan Page, and Scorpio Sky. Moxley? And Moxley. Okay. Because even Hangman is loosely affiliated with the Dark Order. He's not part right. of the Dark Order, but he's very loosely affiliated. They're his buddies. Like if there, if Hangman needs to have a tag team partner for literally any reason, it's gonna be John Silver or Preston Vance or one of the Dark Order guys. I just I think that it's very like it's kind of. Um... It just feels like overkill. Like I'm not, I'm not, not watching the show. Obviously, maybe I'd watch it and be like, "Oh yeah, fuck yeah, factions, twenty four seven. I don't know, 
But I think that one of the things that works about wrestling so well is that you have enough single superstars that can kind of, they don't need a faction. So Moxley is a great example. Like I think when I think of like uh, factions all throughout wrestling, I think of, you know, like DX or whatever, but like Stone Cold Steve Austin was always one of those guys who never needed a faction. You know, he was, I'm Austin. I will kick your ass whether we are in a faction or not. And I think that more of those type of guys work because at the end of the day, I always think that single superstars are what make companies thrive the best, in my personal opinion. So when you have this, and I love a faction, but when you have this many factions, it's like, where are you, who is the superstar that's going to come from this faction that isn't going to need it eventually at some point? Because otherwise it's just a bunch of guys hanging around because if they didn't have a faction, they wouldn't be doing shit else. You know what I mean? And that to me is just, you might as well be on the WWE chopping block, you know, where, oh, well, they don't have anything else to do. Well, and AEW is already seeing a problem that, like, even the fan base is act, even its fan base is actively already discussing this. Like, everybody knows the long term move is Hangman's redemption arc, and he will eventually dethrone the evil Kenny Omega. Everybody knows that's where this is going. Like, the, the, it, the, that's just there. Um, but. The issue now is just like, okay, so when Kenny is done with the Moxley shit, what the fuck is there for him to do before it's time for Hangman? Like, who is there for him to face? Who have they built up? And it's like, you look at their roster, they've got plenty of talent, and they've got plenty of guys that are good. It's not that they don't have people that are good, but when I think about the people who are built and established, I'm just like, all right, well, you've got MJF in the middle of a faction feud with Jericho, which means both of them are out. Um, the whole point is we're trying to avoid throwing you Hangman yet because we want that to be at, like, a bigger show. Um, you're just finished with Moxley. So it's like, what? Are we just going to throw Christian at you immediately? Because, like, he's a big name. Are we going to finally have Cage turn on Team Taz? Because that's where that's going. Because they're apparently turning Cage face. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. I feel you like you guys know the in-depth storylines better than I do. So you'll have to tell me on that. I just know that like too many factions seems like overkill. Just on the surface level. In a vacuum. I, I think so. I think it's I think it's a little ridiculous. I think it's lazy, but more importantly, I think it's more harmful than helpful because the point of a faction is to get a guy over. That's the point of a faction. It's to get all the guys over and catapult one person to the next stratosphere. You can't do that if there's 15 factions. Who's getting put over? Who's getting catapulted? Well, on a great example, let's use the inner circle as our great example. What what have we said from the beginning? Who was the inner circle really established to put over? Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara. It, it, it was obvious to everyone from the jump. You've got the two recycled WWE guys, one of whom is an all-time great, like clearly here to put younger guys over, mm-hmm. and the other of whom is Jack Swagger. Um, then you've got Santana and Ortiz, who are just an established badass tag team who want to be a badass tag team. The whole point of this faction is obviously we're trying to get Sammy over. 
And so you're like in the middle of doing that, and then you completely derail that to do the MJF thing. And then transition to this MJF versus Jericho faction war that's obviously designed to continue to get MJF even more over. And I'm just like, in in the midst of all of this, Sammy is the forgotten one. Mm-hmm. So what so what is this accomplishing for him anymore? Because you 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 were doing the right thing. You had MJF drive a wedge between them, and so then Sammy straight up leaves the inner circle and like, all right, this is good. This is perfect. All right, Sammy's breaking out. We've made him a bigger deal. Blah blah blah. Oh wait, no, now he's right back with the inner circle because the inner circle's back together again because reasons. Yeah, and it's 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 frustrating because there's so much good things that can be told and the faction the faction idea is always a good idea to use but like any good idea if you overdo it it kills its luster it kills its positivity um it kills what made it important in the first place if you overdo it um so that's AEW in a nutshell um one last thing I wanted to give with you guys was I <laughs> we kind of went backwards, but WrestleMania did just finish. Did you guys have any final thoughts on WrestleMania week besides the fact that WWE released ten people for no goddamn reason? Um, congrats to Bianca and Sasha on making history. That was really really great match, and it was really really touching and emotional on a lot of different levels. Um, and that was that was really awesome. Um, I didn't have a problem with night two. I didn't think night two was bad. I don't want to say that. I did not think night two was bad. I thought night one was better. I did not think night two was bad. I thought night one was better. Yeah. I, um, I will say of the two nights, a lot of people will all, are going to point to the, the triple threat main event being the match of the weekend. And that's totally fair. Uh, for me, it's it's Sasha and Bianca. Uh, when you throw in the history, the meaning, the importance, and just the emotional investment, I feel like, at least in my house, like we're all huge Bianca Belair fans in my house. Like I felt like the emotional investment from going from when Bianca won the Rumble carried over to when she won the title on Saturday was like the culmination of everything you hoped for. We all were like, everyone in the house, we're watching. We're all like watching very like wide-eyed. And when she won, we're all cheering and happy. So my match of the weekend, I know a lot of people will say the triple threat main event. I'm going to say Bianca and Sasha. I really just, everything about it resonated to me. It was like what everything wrestling is supposed to be was that match for me. Um, Outside of that, I mean, it was a good, I really loved both nights. Uh, Night one was a little bit better. I would agree with you on that. Uh, but night two found its groove. I think it started off a little slow, but with the Fiend stuff, kind of that was kind of strange for some people. And then you had the tag team titles, which was fine. But it really found its groove towards the end. I, the last five matches on that card, I thought, all perfect, acceptable. Uh, they did what they needed to do. They didn't go long. It was They got it all in. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, this was uh, It was a nice... It was nice to have the fans back in some capacity um, and just hearing the emotions. 
I really felt great for Cesaro. He's another person that I thought had yeah. just a fantastic weekend, man. Like everything, you could just you felt it felt different. It felt good, and I, I was. I'm gonna give you a different favorite pleased. match. I'm gonna give you a different favorite match. You're right. Match of the weekend by default is Bianca and Sasha. Absolutely. Um, my like sentimental match of the weekend because it was a match I had no expectations for going in. Like I wasn't against it, but I had no expectations going in and it turned out to be awesome and fun as fuck was bad bunny and Damian priest versus Morrison. Oh my God. Like I was not against the match in any capacity going into it. I was just like, whatever, it'll be a celebrity match. Bad Bunny's going to get the win. It's fine. Whatever. Nah, bad bunny came to play. He did. And you know what? I think a lot of people like, there's been a lot of praise passed around to him, and he deserves every 100% of everything he got. Miz and Morrison deserve – Miz is such a pro. Like, there's he, – he made everything Bad Bunny did look like – like, in his, like he sold it. Like, he just got hit by a freight train. But also, I feel like so Damian Morrison Priest got lost in the shuffle. Like, Morrison, what? Well, I was going to say, Miz did, and I've seen a lot of people give Miz those flowers, but I just want to point out, like – Morrison took Bad Bunny's Destroyer and Falcon Arrows. So, like, <laughs> he did. Morrison was the one that sold both of his right. big high spots. I was just uh, going to say, like, Damian Priest, to me, he fell under, a little under the radar just because of, you know, it's Bad Bunny, and then you got the Miz, right? But... Well, got the way that they, like, did absolutely nothing with him the following night on Raw. Well, <laughs> he's the he was kind of like the liaison between everything. And it was his first Mania match, too. Like, we need to remember. I felt like they really, whatever they do with him afterwards is up to them. But Mania Night, I felt like they made a potential superstar with someone like Damien because he looked great. And he never tried to be in the spotlight when we knew it was mostly about Bad Bunny, right? Because it's a celebrity thing. He never, It never felt like he tried to, like, overshadow anything. Um, and, I mean, I just think, I think you're right. Kyle, I think that's a. It's one of the top. What it be? It was in my top five of the weekend. Was that match? I was very, very happily. I, mean, I was very happy about it. Very surprised at how good it turned out. So, because the sleeper matches are always the ones that, like I said at the beginning, I had no expectations going in. I was just like, this is a celebrity match. Like my right. expectation is, don't be trash. Like that was, I was like, just don't be trash. I, I, whatever, don't be trash. And then I was like, wait a minute. Is the celebrity the face in peril? Is this <laughs> motherfucker going to face in peril? Yeah. Oh, oh my. He going to take some off? Oh, he's going to what? Did he just hit a... Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm here for this. It, it was funny because we were watching and, and uh, my wife, she was like, man... Bad Bunny, he just looks so little out there. He's so little. He's at everything he does. It just looks like he's getting beat up really bad. And she was like, I was like, yeah, I told her. I was like, it's a face. He's the face in peril. Like, we've talked about this. We've discussed well, these so things. Funny is, what's so funny is he looks so little, but I'm just like, Bad Bunny is normal person size. Yeah, this he is. This is what yeah. happens when somebody, well, no, I just met like, this is what happens when somebody who's normal person size is in the ring with people who are like, holy shit size. Because yeah. Morrison might not be tall, but he's jacked as shit. And yeah. then Miz and Priest are both at least like 6'4". Exactly, yeah. Um, 
I I think the match of the weekend was was definitely the Reigns, Brian, and and Edge. But I think the moment was Bianca and Sasha. Yeah, that's, and that's fair. There's no diss to the match. The match is one of the best women's matches ever in WrestleMania history. Yeah. But what Roman, Edge, and Brian were able to do was master. That might be my favorite match ever in WrestleMania history. Um, and uh, my final thought on it is shout out to the inclusion. So much inclusion in that show. So many people got moments that deserved moments. Um, two black world champions on the same show. A Samoan world champion. Uh, like it's 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 there was so much inclusion in a in a show and in a company that normally doesn't have that much of it, and it was just dope to see, and it didn't feel forced. It felt like it should earned. So, want to keep that good memory of this week and not think about today no more. Um, so, with that said, gentlemen, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Doctor Schmores. You can find our good brother Carl on Twitter at Outsider Curvin, K-E-R-V-I-N, here for shit posting pleasure. You can find our good brother Rance on Twitter at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y's and Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. And of course, y'all, you can find the show on Twitter at Outsider's Edge C S. We are part of the Chairshot Media Network at Chairshot Media, where you always use your head. And as always, gentlemen, remember, we are, we here at the Outsider's Edge are some increasingly less young humans doing everything that we can uh, to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're going to say some not so nice things like companies that sign more than one billion dollar deal and post record profits should not just be releasing people willy nilly like it ain't no thing. Um, And other times, we're going to say some things that you personally might not agree with, like all the flippy-do spot fests really take you out of your suspension of disbelief. But no matter what, y'all, we're just out here chasing our dreams, and, like, you've got to respect that, because we just survived a pandemic. You think we give a fuck? (laughs) Fuck them. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.